Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. KFI leads local news on the hour, on the half, and when it breaks. I'm Deborah Mark. Next on the Californians. There's a breathtaking spot in this great land of ours where the mountains descend to the sea in more wondrous beauty than words can express. And my loved one did wait there for me. And now for news of our own West Coast, we take you to Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, and you don't need that. Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Los Angeles. Oh, that song never gets old for me. Good morning. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe it's November 20th? November 20th, 2016. Thanksgiving is this Thursday. I don't know about you, but I'm not ready. KFI AM 640. Welcome back Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa. I made it. I made it in. In spite of the game last night, not only... Well, it rained today, but those of us Bruins here in Los Angeles, well, there are internal tears happening. <laughs> we cried a little. We did. Um, Deborah Mark, good to see you. I'm glad you were here because I need you. I'm here for you, Elizabeth. <laughs> but we it was a good first quarter. It was a good first quarter. Congratulations to uh, USC. It was a good game. And uh, I love the fact that the weather was pretty nice, actually. It was a little chilly. I mean, it is fall after all. I mean, it is snowing in some parts of the country. But it was uh, it was a good game. We lost, though, 36 to 14. Are you a big... Uh, where did you go to school? I went to Cal State Northridge. Oh, so you guys are more neutral. But you're a little bit pro-brewing, right? My, my husband was watching the game okay. last night. And uh, my dad actually went to UCLA, but this is the strange thing. He's a USC fan. Wait, whoa, whoa. I know. Whoa. Isn't that weird? Dad, we've got to talk. T- we got to take you to the neurologist. <laughs> <laughs> He's always been a USC football fan. Wait, wait. He went to UCLA yes. undergrad? Yes. And he likes USC. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Split personality issues. Yeah, we got to talk to daddy. I know. Oh, my God. He's so cute. That's funny, though. Isn't that funny? Well, I will tell you this, you know, for all these years covering the rivalry, even as a reporter, which I will be honest, I can't be neutral in that in that space. I, I go on the air and I say, well, uh, we talked to both sides. Go Bruins! <laughs> but it was it's always funny to me when I had to go cover the USC folks who are just as diehard, right? And I would always hear from some of the older uh, USC fans, diehard fans would say, you know, we're going to beat UCLA. We're this, we're better, we're better, blah, 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 blah. And then they'd stop and say, but I got to tell you, I love UCLA because that's where I got my heart transplant and I feel so good. <laughs> so, I mean, it's all relative. I know John uh, on the ones and twos over here, he's a he's a UCLA fan too, right? You looked a little depressed walking in. Yeah, I was a little depressed. I got to see like the first half and I thought it was a great first half. Like, it was like right. seven to seven at one time. And we then were strong. We were strong. Checked back in. It was 34 to 14. Oh, whatever. Like 30 something to 14. I was like, oh. Yeah, 36. Oh, wah, wah, wah. All right. Well, there it is. At least uh, I know the uh, the Clippers 
beat the Chicago Bulls. Hey, so we got a little love here in L.A. Well, we've got a great show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about everything. So we go from the Ten Commandments to porn to a, uh, <laughs> oh boy, to an, an incredible uh, artist, Cece Bastida, who's going to come in. She's a local Coming into the studio, I'm so excited. And she's talking about music being the cure for these dark times, as you've heard so many different stories of depression. You heard the the, the drama with the the, uh, the Broadway show Hamilton and this administration. There's just so much uh, weirdness, if you will, and a little bit of a dark cloud still over the nation because we're so divided. But this woman will hopefully come in and cure all of that. Hey, why not? Easy, easy breezy. Well, I want to say that... Um, there was a story I covered this week, and I wanted to, to talk to you about this because I was really taken back by the, the family and the fact that Long Beach Police Department is doing an incredible job of not forgetting some of these cases that sometimes get lost in the shuffle of so many disappearing uh, disappearances. Uh, so on Thursday or Wednesday, I believe it was the day, it was Wednesday that I went out for a press conference with Long Beach Police Department. There is a 27-year-old woman, Danielle, uh, Diana, forgive me. Diana Raquel Rojas. Now, she was last seen at her apartment back in 2000, October 20th of the year 2000, 16 years ago, disappeared, was supposed to go the next day. She was picking up her two-year-old daughter, okay, going through a divorce, a separation, and uh, she just disappeared. Her truck with Texas plates has disappeared. They still haven't found the truck. So the family was at this press conference. I mean, mom, dad, the siblings, it was a, a huge turnout. And Long Beach police held this, you know, this uh, announcement that they were, that they received a tip, an anonymous tip, and they felt like this was it. Finally, 16 years later, somebody has, is coming through giving information about what happened to this woman. And they do believe she's been murdered and she is somewhere, her, her remains buried, but they can't, they haven't been able to find her. So they found, or they received a tip about her being uh, buried somewhere up north in the Ridgecrest area. So that's, I don't know, about two two hours or so north of Long Beach. And it's near a military base. Anyway, the whole thing is so, so sad that uh, we were so hopeful just talking. We You know, the brother spoke at the press conference, and then we went out to his nesting place. That's a church and a shelter for women, a battered women, which is so ironic because this girl, so I spoke to the pastor at that shelter and he said that they always pray for diana because it was at their shelter where she was supposed to show up the next day she didn't show up and they thought oh my god what she's missing what happened and since then Devin found her so they feel as connected to the story as a family and so we interviewed them and the pastor said that uh, uh and his wife were telling us that diana was actually in need of the services they were offering at one point because she would uh tell them stories of her husband, who she was going through this divorce with, he was very abusive. At times, he would slash her tires. He would scream at her. And I asked police. I'm like, hey, uh, detective, did you talk to the husband? Just saying. And they're like, yeah, of course. You know, he's cooperated. We've interviewed him. But, I mean, I'll, I'll, according to them anyway, all arrows point in his direction. But how crazy is that if, in fact, he does have something to do with it? Because, remember, they had a two-year-old daughter. And it was so, you know, it wasn't it wasn't anything she would ever do, leave her child and not show up. You know, she the, the little, her little girl was with a um, a family member and so never came back for her. You know, again, they believe she's murdered. And the, the um, you know, the folks at the uh, his nesting place, church slash shelter in Long Beach were telling me that 
they just felt so guilty in a weird way that maybe they should have pushed her to, to stay there, to, be, to stay away from him, to do something for her safety because she always expressed concern. You know how as women, men, all of us as human beings, get a gut feeling about something. And sometimes you think, no, that just happens to other people. That happens to you on the news or that on a, on a screen somewhere, but not here. Well, you know, as a parent, yeah. when I tell my kids to be careful and I explain certain things that can happen like this, they look at me and they, they think I'm so paranoid. Yeah. And they don't, they, they, I feel like they don't take me seriously. Well, but they're little, but, but you're right. And I think from a, an early age, we have to train ourselves to listen to that gut feeling because clearly, I, I mean, the irony, she was helping. And they told me this really sweet story that she would, she was such a caregiver. She was so giving that she would massage these women, their feet. It was, she would give them foot massages, and I thought, God, that's so Jesus-like. Uh, she cared about these battered women that would come into the shelter and try to make them feel safe with their children. And here she was, allegedly anyway, a battered woman herself with a two-year-old and went missing in 2000. And they, you know, no idea where she is today. But anyhow, they announced that in Ridgecrest they thought that's where her human remains could have been buried. They went up there with satellite images, cadaver dogs with L.A. County Sheriff's Homicide uh, team and uh, the area they excavated. Nothing. Nothing came up. Ugh, I can't imagine the heartbreak for the family. You have so much hope. It's a little bit of closure, right? A little bit of closure. It didn't happen. Ugh. So I, I just wanted to bring up the story because if you know somebody, you know something, every little bit counts. Please, you can leave your tip anonymously with Long Beach Police Department. Um, and if, in fact, the killer or killers are listening, who knows? You never know. Well, life is so bizarre, right? Just in case, do the right thing. I mean, obviously, that's not your thing. But <laughs> just, <laughs> you can't hide. People think you. People think they get away with murder. Karma, I'm telling you. It's real. And listen, I'm a believer. Maybe you're not a believer. But God is watching everything you do. And it will come right back to you. I'm sorry. That's just the law. Not of the land, of the universe. All right, when we come back, the earliest Ten Commandments. Yes, the tablet, speaking of God, sold. And where else? Of course, Beverly Hills. Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa, KFI AM 640. Deborah Mark in the newsroom. The father of a soldier from Stockton recently killed in Afghanistan says he felt KFI AM 640 Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa 619 AM here on the West Coast. Well, a little later for you out there uh, in uh, Florida. You're tuning in on the iHeartRadio app. It's free. It's easy. It's awesome. Don't forget to hit us up also on social media. Remember, you can interact with us. Uh, Deborah Mark, John, producer Brent. I am uh, Instagram at Elizabeth Espinosa. Twitter at E underscore Espinosa. Deborah Mark is at Deborah Mark underscore. No. Deborah Mark one. Deborah Mark one is Twitter? Or is, both? is Deborah Mark one is Twitter and then Deborah dot Mark is Instagram. Yes, we just we want to make sure you're awake. That's what we're doing. <laughs> I'm still trying. I'm still trying to wake up. Oh, I know. It's so early. So uh, producer John, 
not producer John. Wow, producer, producer Brent is. Uh, what's your Twitter, producer Brent? He's like dancing over there. What's going on? I want the music. Well, the music is awesome. Oh, and then uh, Hey Little John. What yours is at Hey Little John? Yeah, it's at Hey Little John. Brent doesn't have one. He's, oh. Yeah, he's he's into the the post Twitter era, which is like 2005 <laughs> and beyond. <laughs> hey, he's still but, stuck there. But I was gonna say, by the way, I heart uh, the coast. Christmas party took place, right? On Thursday. How fun was that? I know Mr. John went down there. Yeah, I texted you. What what happened? I was like looking like, where were you? But you weren't nowhere to be seen. I was hoping I'd spot you on the Little Mermaid ride or something. Or posing. <laughs> really? Yeah. really? Little Mermaid, huh? Is or, that, I don't know. I just Stereotyping already. I see. <laughs> you don't have red hair. but <laughs> No, but I will say uh, I heard it was fantastic. Actually, I did go down there. Uh-huh. The surprise. I went down there and uh, I wanted to take my little brother because he loves Disneyland. But I actually had no idea this year it was at California Adventure Park. It wasn't actually at Disneyland, uh, which he still would have loved. But unfortunately, he wasn't feeling well. So we didn't go in the park and we ended up going back home. So that was a bummer. But uh, hey, let me tell you about the earliest known Ten Commandments tablet. Okay, when my producer sent me the story, I thought, are you kidding me right now? Is this like a joke? What's going on here? No, this is real. This is real. The earliest, let's think about that for a second. Let's just settle in here on this Sunday as you prepare for temple or, you know, church, wherever you, whatever you call your house of worship. Uh, it is unknown right now, but somebody actually paid $850,000 for the oldest known Ten Commandments tablet. And it sold at a Beverly Hills auction. Of course, Beverly Hills, right? Now, it was, it was declared a national treasure of Israel, okay? And there is... There are strict conditions uh, in terms of this new owner, what the person has to do. I'm just really curious. One, who who can afford $850,000 for artwork? I mean, you know, let's consider it that or a collection. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if it's an, is it an ego thing? Could it be that? But you're not even saying who you are. So it's not as if you're going to receive that accolade through public, you know, I don't know, knowledge of, of it. I don't know. It's very bizarre. But uh, the Texas-based auction house, Heritage Auctions, they held this whole thing. Uh, they say that the new owner, or owners for all we know, is under obligation to display the tablet for the benefit of the public. So probably means it needs to be in a uh, museum somewhere. And uh, it, they think that this tablet was adorned, I mean, basically adorned a synagogue in uh, Yavne. That is now what is considered Western Israel. Uh, and it... They, they think the synagogue was destroyed by either the 11th century or uh, crusaders or by the Romans between 400 and 600 AD. Now, that's what I call the old school. That just brings old school to a whole new level. The uh, this marble panel measures about two square feet, weighs 115 pounds. Yeah, so it sounds like something you can just carry around. Okay. And it does, it buries uh, 20 lines of Samaritan. Now, Samaritan is an early Hebrew script. This is really neat, though. And it has not the Ten Commandments. It is missing one. It is missing one. I can already hear the chuckles. Uh, The missing commandment. No, guys, it's not about thou shall not cheat on your wife. Yeah, I know that one's on there, so you can't get away with that. Don't use this as an excuse. The missing commandment, according to them, uh, is that the directive to refrain from taking the Lord's name in vain. So it has the nine commandments on there. But this is crazy. I mean, this stone dates back to the late Roman uh, or Byzantine era. 
It's approximately 300 to 500 AD. And uh, it was, uh, it's generated like something like a million plus, you know, for the heritage auctions. But that's just, huh. Like, I don't know. Part of me thinks, okay, so it's going to go to the auction house. But I would think this tablet belongs to all of us. So should that money go to something greater than just an auction house? Maybe for funds, I don't know, to help the hungry, uh, war, you know, Syrian refugees. Talk to me. I'm thinking I've got some ideas for all of this here. Um, yeah, uh, I, I was actually on Wednesday, was it? I'm telling you, the, the days just go by. One of these days this week. Oh, I think it was Monday, actually. I don't know if you guys have ever been down to uh, Ventura Boulevard over in Sherman Oaks, but there is a gallery. It's called Van Eaton Galleries. And I was out there for a Disneyland collectibles auction. It was a preview because yesterday they had their auction at 10 o'clock in the morning and they had over a thousand uh, artifacts, if you will, memorabilia from Disneyland, everything Disneyland, uh, a bench from 1955, one of the animated dolls from It's a Small World that start bidding price was something like $70,000. So I, w- I really got to chat with the owner and he's very sweet. And I said, so what's the story? Like, who buys this stuff? And it was interesting. He said that he gets a lot of celebrities and he gets a lot of athletes. And it's mostly guys that come out and buy things that they just love. And I'm like, wow, but where do they place it? Oh, they some actually just have a a space in their mansion or somewhere else. But it was so interesting to think, wow, what is that like to say, I'm going to spend $100,000 on something as a collectible and, I don't know, a painting and put it up somewhere in my uh, one of my many homes, I thought, wow, what a different reality, right? Such a different reality than what most of us experience. But uh, but it was uh, it's so. Listen, the Ten Commandments, the tablet has been sold. Sorry, you can't buy it. And I guess we will all wait and see where they're going to display it. I'm excited to see where that will go up, and we will go check that out, and we'll post a picture of it. Uh, also, I wanted to say really quick yesterday, thank you so much to all of you who came out. Um, to Stater Brothers in Placentia. I was out with KTLA for Take 5 to Care, and it's basically a partnership to try to you know, help these food banks so we can help families in need. There's such a hunger issue here in Southern California. It's hard to believe. But uh, yesterday was helping out the Second Harvest Food Bank of Orange County and uh, Robinson Butilities, the most awesome costume shop, if I may, on the west side, gave me a lettuce outfit. So I wore lettuce and... <laughs> I wore a lettuce costume. And of course, the jokes were just never ending. Never ending. So if you want to see my lettuce look, I did the lettuce dance, in fact, on my Instagram. You can check it out at Elizabeth Espinosa. All right, we come back. There is a very popular arcade in Burbank. I'm sad myself. Teardrop, it's closing. All because of these big developers. Go away. All right, sorry, I'm back. All right, we'll be back with that interview with the uh, reporter covering that Art Tavana from LA Weekly. Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa, KFI AM 640. Deborah Mark, take it away. L.A. Rams cornerback Troy Hill is out on bail after he was arrested on...
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You never seem to make it through the door. You never seem to make it through the door. Oh, no, you do, actually. You came home last night. KFI AM 640, Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa. You're like, who is she talking to? Man, that's Adele's new Water to the Bridge. Love this song. Deborah Mark, have you heard the words of this? I have not. It is powerful. But I'm a huge Adele fan. Who isn't? Come on, John. You love this song, too. Yeah, I was looking up the lyrics, making sure it was clean. I was like, I, it's Adele. I forgot it's Adele. Yeah, she doesn't on. cuss. Yeah, yeah, but I was looking at the lyrics. I'm like, wow, she's she goes deep. Yeah, yeah. she's, this is like, ooh, right. and you feel it. Like, oh. Feel it. You feel it. All right, I'm going I'm to let you guys hear this song on your own accord. Get back to me and uh, tell me. How many teardrops? You know what I'm saying? We can all relate. Oh, boy. We can all relate when something is taken away from us before it's time. And that leads me into this story about an arcade. Once upon a time, there was an arcade. No, it's still there. Have you guys ever been out to the Burbank Town Center? It's really cool. It's a large shopping mall. Opened back in August of 1991. It's off of uh, Magnolia Boulevard. Uh, There's three levels of interior shopping anchored by Macy's. It's cute. It's very nice. But like so many areas in Southern California and truthfully across the nation, you've got big time developers and bless their hearts. We need them. We love the development. But sometimes back off a little too much is too much. And it seems to be what's happening with Burbank. And there is a very, very, again, cool arcade inside the shopping center that's going to have to go bye bye. Art Tavana is a writer for L.A. Weekly, and he's got a piece out. It's the L.A. area's last mall arcade is closing its doors. Art, you almost made me cry with this story. My gosh. I'm nostalgic. Are you there? I'm here. Oh, there you are. Okay. Well, good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Good. So tell me what's going on here. What happened? Why? I mean, I think a few years ago, I mean, the mall essentially has been really financially in trouble for the last, I don't know, 10 years. And this redevelopment in Burbank has kind of been very heavy-handed as a result. I mean, I think Burbank's trying to compete with Glendale to be more of a shopping center, more like the Americana. Okay, and, and we should say, of, right, we should yeah. say that Glendale has the Americana, which is a sprawling, outdoor, promenade-esque shopping center, very fancy. It's got a big Christmas tree now, and Santa will show up, right? And they mm-hmm. that's, that's huge. I mean, that, that space is really big, too. Yeah, I think it's cool. It's really great what the Americana has done for the Galleria, the, the mall that's adjacent to the Americana. It's that's really right. done great. It's been great for business. But I think a lot of times these, these um, real estate developers, they come in very heavy-handed, and I think they kind of forget what the small town kind of appeal or cultural value of a town is. And I think that's what happened in Burbank or is happening in Burbank. 
not just the malls, the entirety of downtown Burbank is being redeveloped in the next three to five years. And it's going to be, you know, a lot more like a West Hollywood than a Burbank, which is fine. I think it's great. You know, Burbank was always a city that was the butt of a lot of Johnny Carson jokes and kind of this, like, you know, a town that was named after a dentist. It's kind of funny, Burbank, but I think it's really important that we, you know, remember that some of these places like the Arcade have been there for decades and decades and have become really kind of a staple and a, and a part of the community. All right, so, wa- wa- yeah, walk us through the Arcade. So what does sure. that mean? This is just old school, like Pac-Man, Millipedes, remember that? <laughs> yeah, of course. I love arcades. I mean, the family arcade is, is a little different in the sense that it's got a lot more family gaming. It's about winning tickets and redemption and winning prizes, and it's really focusing on the kids and the community. And it's been around for 22 years, I believe, since 1995. Yeah. Uh, my math is terrible, but I've been going there since literally 1995 myself, and I was a regular. I'd go there and play and try to win prizes. My first date was at that arcade. Yeah, like hanging out with my friends when I was a kid in Burbank and just growing up there. And a lot of people feel the same way. And it's become kind of a really special place, especially for the special needs community in Burbank. Yeah. Um, you don't even know, like every single day, several, several kids in that community just come to the, the mall and look at the arcade as kind of their like uh, escape or their solace from mm-hmm. a lot of the problems that are going on in the city itself. But yeah, um, I became an employee by coincidence, sort of synchronicity happened. I became an employee in February and... You know, it just happened to be a coincidence, but right when I became an employee, this stuff started happening. You mean with LA um, Weekly? Were, yeah, well, not the LA Weekly, but I became an employee of the mall. Oh. Um, I started working at the arcade uh, part-time. Oh, we, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was a, I'm a part-time employee of the arcade, and yeah, I just saw this stuff started happening right when I got hired. It was almost like I'd been hired for a reason or something funny like that, but yeah, I mean, Walmart started having this hiring office on the first floor of the mall. And right when I saw that, I was like, uh-oh, here we go. And you guys don't remember a few years ago, Walmart moved into Burbank, and the city was like, the city was for it, but the citizens were against it. And they filed a lawsuit and it became a huge thing. And Walmart was prevented from coming into Burbank for about two years. And then eventually it became you know, a part of Burbank. It's now there in the Empire Center, the former Lockheed kind of facility. But the, you know, the unfortunate thing is, I think more than anything, is that the redevelopment of Burbank, you know, from the Empire Center to the mall to the arcade, is really being done without um, any sort of consideration to the people of Burbank or the residents. Mm. I don't think that there hasn't been a vote. There hasn't been any sort of, you know, uh, you know, Glendale when they built the Americana had to take a vote on if they wanted the Americana to be part of the city, and they voted for it. But you know, they were able to present their opposition. And we haven't had that opportunity in Burbank at all. It's been full ride. They're coming in. They're tearing apart a lot of the, the neighborhoods in the city to turn it into a big sort of shopping complex. Well, sort of a fortune, I think. Yeah, Art, that's what I wanted to ask you. So it looks like they, there are discussions or rumors, if you will, about developing a new Ikea? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the Ikea is built for the most part already on San Fernando, which is um, the street that sort of connects Burbank to Glendale. So Burbank and Glendale are two small towns and of like L.A., and they're so unique in their own way. But I think what's happening now is that that uniqueness is going away. And this new Ikea is, I'm told, the biggest Ikea on Earth, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's located on San Fernando, and it's going to be opening up in January, I believe. And in the process, the current Ikea, which is located right next to the mall, is being shut down. Um, it's going to be completely bulldozed and replaced with a mixed-use facility, which is going to be apartments, 
um, on top with businesses on the bottom. Yeah, because you and don't have enough traffic, right? Exactly. <laughs> traffic is going to increase for sure, especially during construction. But I think the biggest problem is um, the city is being sold on this by being told that the city, you know, Burbank, just like every other part of L.A., has a major housing crisis. But I think the city is being sold on this idea that this mixed-use facility is going to you know, create so much um, you know, living spaces for the locals in Burbank. But you know, no, one, no one knows how much they're going to cost. No one knows what the rent is going to be. No one has any idea. And if you know, if you know anything about the Americana, the Americana has sort of the same promise. That was kind of the big part of the Americana sale pitch was, you know, we're not just building this shopping center. We're building housing. But no one can afford to live at the Americana housing. It's ridiculously priced. What is it and about? What's an average? I don't know the average, but what I was told was, like, it's somewhere between two to three. Um, you know, they're like condos, high, high, high-end luxury condos. Two to three hundred dollars? That's good. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm will. kidding. It's two to three thousand dollars per month is what you're talking about. It's, it's great if you're, you know, a businessman who works, you know, in places that, you know, not, not Glendale or Burbank, because Glendale and Burbank are really small town vibes. So they don't really, you know, what it did is, it, you know, the sad truth is it just drew in tourists. Right. And it drew in a lot of outsiders. And what's happening is, um, the, again, part of the sales pitch, which is called I Heart Burbank, mm-hmm. it's the kind of the marketing campaign behind this re- redevelopment, is that it's going to make Burbank more appealing to the locals. So locals will stay in Burbank, they'll shop in Burbank, they'll live in Burbank as opposed to leaving the city. But, you know, the reality is it's going to be the opposite effect. It's going to turn Burbank into a tourist destination. Well, it's all these theories and, you know, it's all speculation, truthfully. But you're talking about a a, a 765-unit apartment complex on top of, what, 40,000 square feet of retail, which is enormous. When we come back, I want you to explain, excuse me, what's the plan of action? What's the plan of action at this point? I think that there may be a lesson to be learned here from, you know, what Burbank is doing for other communities experiencing the same ordeal. So we'll be right back with Art Tavana with the LA Weekly Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa, KFI AM 640, Deborah Mark. Chicago police say two juveniles are in. Baby, I want you close, I want you close, give me Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. KFI AM 640, Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa. How nice is this song? This is my special request. Nathan Sykes, give it up. I'm excited, babe. <laughs> no, it's just got a sexy vibe, right? It's nice. Just to get you in a happy mood, at least for me. Hopefully it does the same for you. Welcome, wherever you're listening from. Home, the office, in the car. If you're in the car... Just put the Zen mode in so that you don't get frustrated with any uh, traffic breaks and whatnot out there. 
It's going to rain today, so I did want to remind you, when we get sprinkles, it's the end of the world here in Southern California, so please uh, slow down. People are really funny, though, because I've noticed on the freeway, they go faster. I'm like, what are you doing? It's raining. Slow down. It's not going to be crazy, but, you know, it throws us off. Actually, when I heard the raindrops, I heard some raindrops. I had some uh, overnight at my house, and it was the funniest thing. My reaction was, oh, my God, it's raining. Oh, my God, I need to give myself, like, at least another hour to get to work on time. Like, it's so silly. We just, we're not used to rain. That's that's that. That's what the drought, this is what the drought does to us. Oh, boy. Um, you want my, oh, sorry, producer Brent has a question. What do you need, honey? You need, oh, my card. I, oh, I don't know where my key card is. Uh, let me, check in my bag right here. Is that, is it in there? Or is it in this purse? Oh, my gosh. Look at that. You We're, can come in here if you want, and I'll give you mine. Oh, Deborah Mark is talking to our producer who is uh, looking for, I don't know, look in there. Or you I, can come in here and I just say hi to me, to too. Do. I can do it, too. <laughs> Your producer this is right? live radio. This is live radio. It's like live television. You're so funny. Anyway, just check in my backpack if you need my ID card to go get our guest. That's what's happening here. But we want to bring back in Art Tavana. He's a writer for LA Weekly. Uh, am I saying your last name right, by the way, Art? Totally. Totally? Yes, you got it right. Okay, and did you not like my song, Nathan Sykes, Give It Up? I liked it. I enjoyed it, actually. <laughs> it's a good jam. It's a good jam. Hey, you know what's not, what's not a good jam is the fact that uh, they're looking to redevelop in a major way the Burbank Town Center. And that's what your story is about. In the LA Weekly, if you guys pick it up, it's the, uh, the LA area's last mall arcade closing its doors. Why is this such a big deal for you guys? And what's the plan of action? So let's reset and explain where this is, what they want to do, and why the arcade is such a staple and so important for your community. Right. So one of the aspects of what's happening is that the mall itself is being redeveloped. And as a result, a lot of the mom-and-pop shops in the mall are either being forced to leave because they can't afford the new rent, the rising rent, or um, a lot of the, the, the mom-and-pop shops are just being literally told that, you know, this is going to be turned into a food court. So the first floor is being turned into a food court entirely, and the um, arcade is located on that first floor. Um, and what's really been happening is the arcade's kind of become ground zero for the kind of the protest of what's happening. It's the only store in the mall that was willing to talk about what's happening. It was the only store in the mall that was willing to create a petition um, to, you know, have their customers reach out to the, the... So the management company handling the redevelopment is called Cypress Equities, and the arcade is called All Amusement Fund Center. And what's really been happening is the arcade's become this ground zero for customers and people in the mall to come to and talk to Jim and Susan, the owners, and kind of find out what's going on. And they become sort of educators on the situation to the people in the community to let them know that the arcade's going to be gone in March. It's going to be completely gone, and it's going to be bulldozed, and it's going to be used as an entranceway between the mall and this new IKEA space. Mm-hmm. So that's really what's happening, and I think the, the, the really unfortunate thing is there hasn't really been an action plan or a proper response, because either most people in Burbank don't know this is happening, or the ones that do know it's happening who've gone on the iHeart Burbank website or Facebook page are being sold on this sort of, you know, utopian idea of what's going to happen in Burbank. And yeah, I think that's, that's that, good for you. Yeah, and I think it could be a good thing, but it, it might not be a good thing. And I think right. what's happening is as a result, people don't know what to do, and there hasn't been a community response on right. the way there was when Walmart was coming into Burbank. Um, well, people are tired. <laughs> but, Art, yeah. I, I, but Art, I would, I would seriously say this. Look. I do believe in change, and that's the hardest thing for human beings. I think adapt mm-hmm. or die. 
Okay, that is very tr- that is a very very true statement. Having said that, I also think that there's some things that should be left untouched, and I think there's some things we should build upon. So, for example, if you're telling me that arcade is important to the community and that it is a safe haven, it's a place that special needs uh, individuals that you know feel comfortable there and go there. Why not build on that? Why not make the arcade a little bigger, create a different access place, move it to the side? But why bulldoze and get rid of everything that's good and just say, we're just going to build something new? That's the part that I have a major issue with when it comes to major developments and big developers moving into communities, not taking into consideration how it services the area, the residents, as opposed to their pocketbooks. Exactly. And, you know, Jim and Susan, the others were offered a new space in the mall, except, you know, the reality is an arcade requires a lot of sort of electronic and electric um, building and the mall wasn't going to pay for any of that, and you know, tripling the rent was just not feasible for them. Right. Really, this are—they're a working class family, and this arcade is really how they're putting their kids through college. And a well, lot, I, lot I, of sources, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to say, all right, but you're right, and, and I, I hate when I hear them say, "Well, we gave them an option," and I'm like, "No, that's not an option. That's called let me make the bar so high that you can't meet the standard, and that and that way you can't say I didn't give you an option to stay. It, I just made it so difficult that you couldn't do it. You know what I mean? It's like that's all semantics, please." Exactly. And there's rumors, you know, the arcade is going to be replaced with the Dave & Busters, which is, you know, for me, my, my whole position has been what should have happened was the real, the, real, the real estate developer should have just said, hey, guys, you know, let's update this arcade. Let's work together to, you know, make this a unique thing. It's the last mall arcade in Los Angeles. It's a unique draw to the Burbank Mall. It's the only kind of arcade in the area, really. And, you know, they could have, they could have worked together and done something, but I think the Cypress Equities and Compress Management, the the company that owns the mall now, we're interested in sort of keeping the small town vibe or the uniqueness of the mall attacked. They really wanted to sort of develop it into another Americana brand or Galleria where it's just this glitzy shopping center and the Burbank Mall is kind of a unique time capsule element. Which is, it's kind of a mall that feels like you're walking into Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You know, <laughs> that's like, great. That's great. And well, that's going to be gone now. So, so that's it sucks. Although there isn't a lawsuit or anything planned, I do know that Susan and Jim, the owners of that arcade you talked about, uh, are saying that they survived the recession, borrowed money, and they're not going to take this whole thing lying down. So they're they're asking all the customers, people who love the arcade and the mall, for that matter, asking customers to email Chris McGuire. He's the CEO of Cypress Equities. And I don't have that email here in front of me. I was just looking if I could find something. But... When we find something, if you can send it to me on Twitter, I'll repost. I'll just, you know, retweet you. That'd be great. No, please. Yeah, everyone reach out to Cypress Equities and Compress and just let them know what you think. Come to the arcade. Come to the All Amusement Fun Center. Check it out. See what it's about. I mean, it's going to be gone. It's really sort of the last kind of – there are amusement – there are family arcades in Los Angeles, um, but this is the last one inside a mall. And for anybody that kind of grew up in a generation where that was – such a part of Americana and life and culture. It's kind of a sad thing to see go away. It's kind of like seeing the video, you know, the video rental stores go away and yeah. things like that. And this is the last of its kind. So just come and check it out. And, you know, if you guys feel strongly about it, please do protest and help us create sort of a petition. And what, yeah. What's your campaign. Twitter really quick? All right. Cause we got to go. Yeah. My Twitter is kill fee at K I L L S E E. Okay. So repeat it one more time. K I L L S E E kill fee. It's one word. Twitter. Wow, what's going on there? It seems a little mean. Uh, kill. <laughs> I'm kidding. Art Tavana, thank you so much. A writer for the LA Weekly and part-time employee at the Arcade, or at least for a little while longer. Thank, thank you, you so much. When we come back in the 7 o'clock hour, we are going from uh, porn, the, the calendar section, to Cece Bastida. I'm so excited about this young lady. She's a local, and she says music is a cure to the depression 
uh, post-election for those of you who are not happy. This is Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa on KFI AM 640. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? KFI is proud to feature news made locally right here in Southern California. Our free-range reporters and anchors have plenty of space to run around with their friends and stretch their little legs. And each one has their own name and personality. That little guy right there? Hey, what's up? That's Aaron Bender. He and the rest of the news team are happy to bring you the latest localist news on the hour, on the half, and when it breaks. KFI leads local, and we think you'll be able to hear the difference. KFI leads local news on the hour, on the half, and when it breaks. I'm Deborah Mark. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's right, iHeartRadio, my friends. Free app, you can listen to us anywhere you go. Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa, and yes, it is November 20th, and I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it. I am not ready for turkey. I just had a turkey sandwich. Okay, wait. But you know what I'm saying. I can't believe Thanksgiving is this Thursday. And let me tell you, it's going to be an awkward one, huh? At the dinner table with family from a red state and you're a blue state. And hey, so did you vote? Oh, yeah. Then the conversations start going. Daggers start flying. That is why I got you covered also at PBS. Thank you very much. See, I worked that in. Uh, at PBS Studio SoCal, the talk show that we do, uh, my co-host Rick Reef and I actually did a story with Lisa Nichols. Remember Lisa Nichols, Deborah Mark? We had her here in studio in I January. Lo- oh, I loved her. Yeah, she's a transformational coach, motivational speaker, a single mom, has an incredible story. Anyway, she came on our uh, show at PBS to talk about how to survive. The holidays, in light of this very divisive election, we just survived. I don't know if we did, but there it is. Um, So it was great. She really talks about the positivity and what you have to focus on. And it is so true. What stuck with me was wherever you put your energy, that's what's going to grow. So you have to just learn to celebrate each other's differences, agree to disagree, which is my mantra, as you know, if you've been tuning in. And uh, 
and just be okay with it all. So you've got to tune in. It's at five o'clock tonight, uh, PBS uh, SoCal. So you can go online and, as well as watch the show, PBSSoCal.org. So I'm sure you heard all the debacle, the big drama, the drama with Hamilton. Who's gone to see Hamilton, the Broadway show? Don't say you have Deborah Mark. I wish. Or you. I, I wish. I hear it's really expensive. It is. And it's so hard to get tickets. And I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay. Just from the little bit I've seen and the soundtrack, not really impressed. You know, that's so funny that you say that. My husband is a huge musical theater lover, and he has no desire to see Hamilton. I really want to see it. Really? Yeah. I I really don't really have much of a... I'm sure Bill Handel does, because, you know, he loves musicals and he loves the theater. But I I don't understand the the fervor, but that's okay. It is what it is. But the reason I bring it up is because you've heard that Hamilton had some unscripted lines for Vice President-elect Pence and President... Elect Donald Trump wasn't very happy. Here's the audio from what was said at the show Friday night. You know, we had a, a, a guest in the audience this evening. And Vice President elect Pence, I see you walking out, but I hope you will hear us just a few more moments. There's nothing to do with it, ladies and gentlemen. Oh boy, can't leave yet, Prince. We have a we have a message for you, sir. We hope that you will hear us out. And I encourage everybody to pull out your phones and tweet and post because this message needs to be spread far and wide, okay? Vice President-elect Pence, we welcome you and we truly thank you for joining us here at Hamilton and American Musical. We really do. We, sir, we are the diverse America who are alarmed and anxious that your new administration will not protect us. Our planet, our children, our parents, or defend us and uphold our inalienable rights, sir. But we truly hope that this show has inspired you to uphold our American values and to work on behalf of all of us. All of us. Again, we truly thank you for sharing this show, this wonderful American story told by a diverse group of men and women of different colors, creeds, and orientations. All right, so I have to tell you what struck me. Woo! First and foremost, when I heard about this, was the angst that these that these individuals feel, that people feel right now, in light of this administration coming in. You have to admit, whether you're a diehard Trump supporter, you have to acknowledge just the way when Obama was elected, there were individuals who felt like he was going to strip them away from all of their rights, their right to bear arms, and that was a very legitimate fear. For those voters. And I think and I hope that we did a good enough job as a country to acknowledge their fears. And here the pendulum pendulum has swung the other direction. And now you have these individuals who are so concerned. Not only are there protests happening and not all of them are doing it for the right reasons. We know there are a ton of anarchists that hello, when you go to vandalize stuff, the message gets lost. Duh. Uh, But you you have to acknowledge the fear, the anxiety, and the fact that this actor knows he's going to get a lot of backlash. He may never work in certain spaces. Let's, that's the reality. But he was willing to do that. And it was a, also good for his publicity, I would say, because now we know his name. Uh, but immediately, Donald, President-elect Donald Trump tweets out, you know, there, there should be an apology. And so social media explodes. Okay, so number one, also, I got to tell you, I'm thinking, 
President-elect Trump shouldn't even be on Twitter. He needs to focus on the job at hand, okay? The the days of Twitter were fun, and I understand that there are a lot of Republicans in, you know, in D.C. that are defending him, saying, well, you know, that's the way he copes. Okay, hold on. He needs to focus on this administration. So I was a little taken back by the fact that he had time to tweet this out. And he tweeted, our wonderful future VP Mike Pence was harassed last night at the theater by the cast of Hamilton. Cameras blazing. This should not happen. And of course, it gets retweeted like over 30,000 times and it gets the heart, his little stamp of approval over 100,000 times. The country is divided, Donald. Let's not add fuel to the fire. Let's grow up and be like the hall monitor that says, okay, these two kids are fighting. I'm just going to stand here and acknowledge both of your fears, both of your anxieties, and put you both in your place in a polite, respectful, diplomatic way. That is what a leader does. Do not add fuel to the fire. That's all it is done. And then for him to continue to tweet, the theater must always be a safe and special place. The cast of Hamilton was very rude last night to a very good man, Mike Pence. That was the first tweet, by the way, that came out. And he wrote, apologize. Okay, again, they, maybe they should apologize. Is it? I don't even want to get into the fact, like, was it the appropriate place to make the statement? That's irrelevant. It happened. Done. They're creatives. They want to say what they're going to say. I would think Mike Pence is a grown-up. He can handle it. I'm sure he's been through a few wars of his own. Okay? Clearly, these people feel alienated. That was an opportunity. If you ask me, it's a huge missed opportunity by President-elect Trump to say, hey, we're going to come together on this. We hear you. Didn't think it was the right space for it, but we hear you. And so... They don't have to apologize, and I don't think Donald Trump at this point has to apologize either. That was his opinion. He tweeted it out. Let it be. And by the way, for those of you who expect Donald Trump to, you know, president-elect Donald Trump, that sounds weird to say still, uh, to apologize, are you guys kidding me? Are you serious right now? Like, he's not going to—the ACLU's asking him to apologize. I'm like, don't. You're you're also adding uh, fuel to the fire with this. But more importantly, the guy mocked a disabled reporter. He didn't apologize to the most vulnerable sector of our population. You think he's going to apologize to the cast of Hamilton? He didn't apologize to John McCain, who's a fellow Republican that's going to be voting on big issues with him, calling him a loser because he law because he was a prisoner of war. He didn't apologize to him. Hamilton, he's not going to apologize to you. And Hamilton, I don't think has to apologize to the to President. Vice President like uh, Pence either because that's their constitutional rights, freedom of speech. Let them say what they want. Was it appropriate? Probably not. But it is what it is. That's why we are the U.S. of A. You can actually make very harsh comments about the administration and not be imprisoned. That's the beauty of this country. Let's not turn into those countries where that doesn't happen, where you don't have the freedom of expression. Speaking of, Cece Bastida is a local girl who's got her own take on how we're going to heal with all this divisiveness with the election. Coming up, Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa, KFI AM 640. Deborah Mark, apologize already. I'm so (laughs) sorry, Elizabeth, for being here this morning. (sighs) Thank you. I feel better. (laughs) (laughs) The L.A. Rams will play their NFL. Mars. Oh, this song. At first I thought, now I love it. I'm like addicted. 
typical Elizabeth. KFI AM 640, Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa. Thank you, thank you. I love you, my listeners. I'm getting such such a reaction about Elizabeth. You're so emotional. I love it. Yeah, I'm coming uh, coming off of that little high there for a second on the Hamilton conversation with uh, President like Donald Trump tweeting. And, uh, of course, you know, we're talking about the VP-elect Mike Pence being at the Hamilton Broadway show. And then he was booed and they asked him to make sure he represents everyone's values and rights and honors them. And, of course, that didn't go very well with this new administration to be. And now it's just this ridiculous Twitter war. Who's got time for that? I'm just saying when people are dying in Syria as we speak. Seriously. And that's just one of many places around the globe. Ugh. Well, I'm very happy to have a beautiful soul here in studio. Woke up early to be here. So thank you. And I butchered her name earlier. So allow me to for, to apologize. It is. I will apologize. See, I can't apologize. It is Ceci, not Ceci. Ceci Bastida. You are a, a Latin Grammy nominee singer songwriter from the Los Angeles area, but you're actually from the border town. You're from Tijuana. I'm from Tijuana, yes. That's so awesome. And you're a mom as well. My God, how do you have time? And you have a husband? I don't have time to tweet as much. <laughs> and I, I only have a child that's five. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. So you're, you are very much driven by the political climate, not just on this side of the border, but even south. And that's what motivates your music? I think mainly, mainly Mexico. I mean, I do talk about the U.S., especially now that I live here. Uh, I've been here for almost 11 years, and uh, it, everything that changes and in, in that, ha- that happens in this country obviously affects me and my family and my daughter, so it's important for me, for me to address these, these issues. But Mexico, you know, I'm from Mexico. I lived most of my life in Mexico, and, and, um, and it's hard for me not to talk about what's going on over there as well. Yeah, which is uh, a whole— Which is a lot. <laughs> yeah, another you know, can of goodies there. But your new album is called Sueño Dream. And we wanted to bring you in because producer Brent, of course, loves your music. And I was listening. I'm very impressed. Thank I, you. It's great work. And it's a. this is the time for us to heal as a nation. And you say music is what can really bring us together. I mean, I do think music is one of the things that can bring us together. Um, and um, it's important to talk about these things at all times. But I think that now everybody seems to be riled up. And it's and it's a good thing, I think. Um there's times in our lives where we kind of try to be just focus on our own lives and no uh, focus on our own things and forget about what's going on around the world. And I think that this situation with, uh, with this new president, uh, which is still hard for me to say, (laughs) (laughs) this new president, um, you know, it's getting a lot of people really riled up and waking them up and, and really uh, wanting to do something to let not all these problems become even bigger. Well, not just that, but as we look at what's happening here in the country, and we were just talking about the Hamilton situation, the mm-hmm. creative space. Which, by the way, he got booed by the audience, not the not the cast. And I feel like the cast uh, addressed him in a very respectful way. But, you know, we were talking about this a minute ago. Sorry to interrupt, no, but please. let's not, you know, we're focusing, everything is focusing on Hamilton right now. And in the meantime... All of these people are getting appointed that are very problematic and, uh, you know, and everything is about Hamilton. So let's forget about Hamilton for a second and focus on what's really going on and what's really going to affect us in these next four years. Right. And and that's incredibly important to, to point out and to underscore that whether or not he tweets something out, let's pay attention. Sure. But I think what we really have to pay attention in terms of politics is understanding one, the way it works. Right. And mm-hmm. number two. What's really happening? So the fact that there are foreign diplomats, for example, booking rooms at Donald Trump's hotel in D.C. 
And, uh, you know, because they believe that directly putting money in the pocket of the president-elect of the U.S. is going to probably serve as a bribe and may just curry a little favor with them and influence foreign policy. That's significant. <laughs> we should be talking about that more, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, there's so many there's so many issues. I feel like, uh, you know, people, undocumented people in this country are very fearful right now and for good reason. And uh, I think that's one of the things that we need to address, especially in this city of Los Angeles. Uh, we need to really kind of get together and, and work for uh, work together to make these things not really affect us and separate families and, uh, you know, change all the policies that have already been in place. But let me ask you this, because right now, the uh, for example, LAUSD, their education board, has sent a message to Trump. They're saying that their schools are going to stay stay safe zones for students here mm-hmm. um, who are not who are undocumented. And of course, we are the second largest school system, LAUSD. But the the other side, and I think it's always important to understand what the where the other side's coming from. I had a Trump surrogate on our show the other day at PBS, and I said, "What do you tell the dreamers? Dreamers, mm-hmm. by the way, are those students? It's deferred action." Something, mm-hmm. something, I forget. But basically, there's a reprieve from the legal system from pushing you out because you came here as an early child. childhood mm-hmm. arrival is what they call it. Mm-hmm. And what I said, what, what do you tell them to calm their fears? And the Trump surrogate responded with, we are a nation of laws. And that is true. So how do you reconcile that for someone who doesn't feel any compassion and doesn't think it's right because they broke the law and there are other people in other countries waiting in line to come here? Well, I mean, if we're focusing on students, it's hard for to think about a six-year-old or a two-year-old breaking the law. It's not their decision. And um, and I think it, it's about, it, it, this is going to sound probably very romantic, but it's also about humanity. You know, these children were brought here for a reason. And people, you know, get so uh, passionate about refugees, which is a very important thing to get passionate about. But these people came here also as refugees. They're fleeing countries that are, that are, um, that have extreme violence. You know, they're, they're, they're basically trying to live and support their families. Um, so these are refugees as well. And we treat them as if, well, I don't. <laughs> well, right, anyway. right. But people, people think of them as just these people that broke the law. And, and it's a hard thing to, to accept for me. You know, these are kids that got here who are doing well in school, who have graduated uh, and who are doing important important work, uh, who are smart and uh, who are contributing to society. And how can you just kick them out? I just don't, I just cannot agree with this thing that, yeah, they broke the law. No, I mean, to me, it's not as simple as that. Well, what I think I hear you saying is, how do you claim moral superiority? How do you claim that (laughs) when you're willing to kick out overnight children who did not make that decision to come here? Mm -hmm. And all they know is this language, exactly. number one, and know yes. nothing about other cultures. And this is their country. You know, this is where they grew up. This is where they have their, lived their life. So how are you going to send them to, a, to what to them will be a foreign country now? When we come back, I want to ask you about more about your music and how your newest album, Dream, is so timely, given what's happening. Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espino. So we have Ceci Bastida in studio here, KFI AM 640. Deborah Mark in the newsroom now with the very latest. A wet storm system is heading into Southern California.
Yo no tengo miedo means I am not afraid. KFI AM 640, a little Spanish class for you here on Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa. What's funny is that you would probably think that I, it was my idea, and I would never take credit for something that's not mine. I'm not like some people. <clears throat> Trump. Uh, a, <laughs> I did not know about you. It was my producer, Brent, who was not Latino, does not really speak. For, oh, wait, wait, he's yelling at me through the, through the glass. <laughs> I'm half Puerto Rican. Or Puerto, Puerto Rican, or something Puerto Rican. He's All like, right. yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to see you. Hablar español si tú eres boricua. Tú eres boricua. He goes, what? <laughs> no, but he he's true. He loves your music. And he was like, oh, my God. I get this text. Ceci Bastida's coming in. I'm so excited. I scored. I was like, really? This is fantastic. This is your song. It's called? Yes. Un sueño. And it means? It means a dream. Latin Grammy nominee, singer, songwriter, Ceci Bastida, in studio. This is the latest album. This is the single. Yes. Yes. Featuring? It just came out. It just came out. The album featuring Aloe Black. All right. Who's that? Uh, he's an amazing uh, singer, songwriter, rapper from Los Angeles who is just great. I just wanted to work with him and I got a chance to do it. So I'm super happy. That's a big name. I just asked you who's that, but I know who he is. I mean, that he, this is really a <laughs> huge get, my my dear. The guy plays and sings or whatever with David Guetta too, right? Well, he did. He No, he did a... I guess Avicii did a, a Avicii, remix. forgive me. Yeah. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, that's right. Um, he did a remix of one of his songs, and it went global crazy so, yeah it's so, yeah. so your music is is in that vibe alternative uh it's a mix i mean i think the song is definitely a little bit different from my last album but it's there's always electronic music elements hip-hop elements it's a little bit of everything mostly in spanish and you grew up uh near the beach in tijuana so you're a border kid yeah and so that's why you obviously speak english perfectly yes. and spanish perfectly uh, your music is always driven a little bit by the politics of Mexico. Yes. The, the, the climate. You know, what What would you say? I know your first, by the way, your first album is Veo La Marea, which is I See the Tide. Yes. And what was that about? Um, the first album was my, you know, it was just uh, I kind of wanted to play a little bit with this idea of me growing up at the border and also stepping away from what I was doing at the time and trying diff- something different, which is becoming a solo artist. Uh you know, I started off with a band a very long time ago, and then I played with a very well-known singer in Mexico uh, as part of her backing band. And it was the moment for me to that where I realized that I wanted to do music by my, you know, by myself and kind of have creative control, and uh, and uh, just wanted to try out what I was feeling and what, what I wanted to write. And uh, that was my first album. But it's such a challenge to get into music, and much like acting, how did you break in? Um, well, I mean. 
<laughs> it's a hard for, hard thing for me to say. I mean, it's 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 always a struggle. I'm not going to say that it, everything goes really well and, and that I'm like a huge success. Um, but I've been playing for a very long time. So in Mexico, at least, you know, I in I played a lot with my old band. We did very very well. Um, this was like in the early '90s. Um, and then I played with a singer from Mexico, Julieta Venegas, who's uh, also very well known and um, well known. and is very very active and touring all over the place. Um, so when I started off, I just kind of did it, not really knowing if it was going to go well or not. I think it was more like a process that I needed to go through. Um, I needed to create again, and um, so that's how it started. And fortunately. People responded well to it, and um, so I got into it a little bit more, and that's kind of how it's been going on, going since then. You're so cute. I love the. Uh, she's. You should see her. I have to take a picture of you and tweet you out right now. Uh, <laughs> she's got the cutest little beanie on because <laughs> my hair is a mess. <laughs> well, it is really my hair yeah. is too. I got my UCLA cap on, even though we lost last night. And she's got her leather jacket on. You're looking cool, girl. No, you look great. <laughs> And so this this new album, uh, where can we get it? Everywhere. I mean, you can get it everywhere. I mean, basically, it's everywhere digitally. iTunes, Spotify, all of that stuff. And um, and then we came out with vinyl. We we're not we don't have CDs. We have vinyl, so you can find it on Amoeba and any other store that sells vinyl. Wow. Yeah. And where does your inspiration come in terms of like? What, are you in the shower? Are you driving? Uh-huh. No, I take such quick showers. No, uh, no. Good for you, good girl. The yeah, drought. Thank you. There is a drought. I can't. I can't stay in there for a long time. No, I think it's it's basically working every day. I, I have to do it. If I'm if I'm gonna start writing, I need to, you know, do it as an everyday thing and sit down. And sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I'm there for hours, and everything that I come up with seems to me like trash. And then uh, there's another day where things flow very nicely. So it's just a uh, it's an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> do you play instruments as well? I play piano. Yeah. You play the piano? Yeah. My mother, I'll never forget. It was off of uh, El Segundo Boulevard, little castle there in Hawthorne, off of Prairie. I don't know if any of you are from the area and went to that piano class with me, but you remember me? I was terrible and I ended up, uh, you know, dropping out of that class. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember that fondly. My my mom would have loved my sister and I to stay, you know, stick with it, but we didn't. But you, how did you learn? Uh, my mom played piano for many, many, many years, and uh, she kind of pushed it on all of us. I have two other sisters, uh, and I was the only one that decided to stay. So I took classes, and I'm not amazing um, at all. But so humble. Um, but, probably like no, better than Liberace no. or something. <laughs> oh, God, I wish. Um, but I liked it, and I think I just it just made me want to try to create my own little songs, and uh, so I thank her for that. I think it was a good thing. And uh, your daughter, is she showing any musical inclination? She's a so. five-year-old daughter. I think so. I mean, she loves to sing, oh. and um, and she's intrigued by the piano. But I feel like her hands, uh, you know, they're a little. She's five. She is five, <laughs> but she wants to take lessons. So we we might I might oh. look into that. Yeah, that is so fantastic. <laughs> so as you move forward, um, what would be what's the goal now for you? Um, I think right now I just want to, you know, the, the year is basically over. So um, I'm focusing more on, on filming a video that's going to come out in January. Nice. And then doing shows around the U.S. And then um, my plan is to go to Mexico as well. So Go on tour. Yeah, that is the focus. So what about a collaboration? It's funny as I watch you and take in your energy as well. I think you would be great with John Legend. Um, I love John Legend. Yeah. So if you're listening, John... That's right, Juanito. <laughs> Chrissy Teigen. It's okay. She's beautiful, but she's married in year two. So it'll it'll be fine, the, the partnership. I mean, I love collaborating with people. Honestly, I think that's the most enriching part of this album for me, that I was able to collaborate with a lot of different people that do very different things musically. So I'm always open to collaborating with anybody, really, that, you know, that I like. Anything you can tell us on the horizon that we don't know? 
Oh, God. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think so. <laughs> I feel like I've been talking about myself for the past week or so. So I don't think there's anything, you know, that I haven't said. No, which is good. Well, you're on tour here. And yeah. uh, I know that you are in that uh, Latin music space. So a big crossover name as well from the Spanish language world is Mark Anthony. And uh-huh. he was at the Latin Grammys, received like some big award. I forget. I think so. Right. Yeah. Uh, in Vegas. And I guess on stage, JLo, his ex-wife. Gave him a kiss on the lips. Oh, my gosh. All the drama. So what happens? Why is what that it, news? <laughs> I, well, here's why. 48 hours later or so, word is Shannon DeLima, his wife, the Venezuelan model. She's like 27 or 28. He's like 48. Mm-hmm. Hollywood for you. Uh, they split. It's over. After two years of marriage. Come on. That's the word. So I <laughs> wanted to ask you, because you probably know Mark and you probably know Shannon. What if your friends told you? What did you hear? I know they text you immediately. Don't act like you don't know about this. I have. I had no idea. Like Shannon. you're so upset. Yeah. No, but you know, she, it affects your true, life. She's in her twenties. It's also like she's young. Yeah, she's you know? very young. There's so there's so many things she needs to do. Probably still. <laughs> well, they're saying, and now I guess Hollywood life is reporting that Mark Anthony's devastated, devastated over Shannon Delima split and why he's done with dating. Yeah, so, but if, if a kiss uh, like that on stage <laughs> uh, breaks up your marriage, then your marriage is probably not very good to begin with. Ooh, she's even given marriage advice this one. I like it. <laughs> How long have you been married? Um, almost 11 years. Wow. And contrary to uh, probably the, the assumed belief that you're married to a Mexican national, mm-hmm. you're not. Your husband is Caucasian. Yes. Speaks Spanish. He does speak very, very, very well. <laughs> nice. Is he an artist as well? Not like me. Uh, um, no, he's a writer. He's a professor and a writer. Professor? Yeah. What does he teach? Uh, he teaches all kind of stuff. Uh, border stuff, uh, literature stuff. So like uh, a poli-sci guy. Uh, popular music, everything. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Okay, well, um, I'm very excited <laughs> for your career. And please See, don't... this is the first. I've, I never really talk about him, so you, you uh-huh. know... See how I do this? Uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, but I do want to end on this. What would be, if you had to say the one thing that has kept you together, because I think it's hard for artists because you guys are floaty, creative, Mm -hmm. you travel, people adore you. He's got to be really, you know, very strong in his person to be with you as a star. (laughs) What's the thing that keeps you together? Um, I think there's many things, but I think uh, obviously love. Um, we are best friends, as corny as that might sound. And You're best um, friends. we really are. And That's I think, great. you know, respect and admiration for each other. So he doesn't get jealous when the guys come up. Oh my God, can you sign my no. shirt? Here's no. my number. No, I don't care that you're married. I'm not jealous. I hate that line. I hear it all the time. Really? <laughs> I know. It's so stupid. Um, no, I don't know. He's, you know, and he's, oh, you know, he has fans of his own too. He's oh. a good looking man. And, you know, right. And you're confident too. I you're, try a better, to be. you're a better woman than myself. I'm like, don't look at him. How dare you? Uh, ma'am, he was ordering a hamburger. I had to look at him to take the order. <laughs> I'd be one of those scenarios. Ceci Bastida, thank you so much. And really quick, let's give out your uh, Twitter handle and Instagram handle where we can follow you. Um, Ceci Bastida. All of it is Ceci Bastida or Ceci Bastida Music. Okay. And Ceci E-C. is C. C-E-C-I-B-A-S-T-I-D-A. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Let's just keep dreaming like your song says, Un Sueño. Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa, KFI AM 640, in the newsroom with Deborah Mark. Authorities say the drought in California has now killed more than 100...
things would get brighter. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. They are gonna get brighter because the sun is coming out here in sunny Southern California. All right, just for a little bit. It's going to rain today. <laughs> KFI AM 640, November 20th. It is 7.50 a.m. Coming up to the end of the show, the Jesus Christ Show is next. Don't forget, tonight, PBS Studio SoCal, we're talking about Lisa Nichols, transformational coach, helping you survive the uh, Thanksgiving post-election meltdown conversations at the dinner table. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. She really is incredible. And uh, I want to thank you all for your comments on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget, we got some fun stuff there and some serious stuff. Uh, Twitter at E underscore Espinosa, E-S-P-I-N-O-S-A. And uh, Instagram is at Elizabeth Espinosa. I'm going to do a few shout outs here, which we like. You know what I really love about our listeners is that you guys are so reasonable. And that's not everybody. But the ones who really connect with us on the show, I really appreciate you. Uh, Magnus Prime, just as a, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So we've talked a little bit about Hamilton, uh, the whole debacle with, uh, you know, uh, the blow up because that's the easy thing to understand. Bizarre. And it connects with pop culture phenomena where, you know, the cast of Hamilton basically called out Vice President-elect Pence about, please make sure you represent all of us, you know, when you go in to the White House. And Trump, of course, responds via Twitter no surprise there, uh, asking them to apologize. It was rude. And then he's the latest thing, right? Deborah was the. He says it's highly overrated, but you know what's the interesting? Show. He's, 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 yes, he, yeah. he's saying, but Pence now has come out on Fox News uh-huh. and said that he wasn't offended and that he told his daughter that that's what freedom sounds like. Good for him. Yeah. I'm very proud of him. And that's that's the man, the manly way to do it. Stand up to the fact that it is. That's freedom of expression. Uh, and I think, wow, I'm so encouraged by that because I think that that's what we need in this time. And he's encouraging people to see Hamilton. Oh, wow. That's big. That is really big. So, see, this is what I love. And so I applaud him. I applaud our vice president, like Mike Pence, for that. Uh, but Magnus Prime on Twitter says, look, I disagree uh, with 80% of what you say, Elizabeth, politically. And I want to tweet angry stuff until I remember, oh, yeah, it's her show and then he puts a little winky emoji and says, Trump 16. Yes, we're all in this together. And I think it's okay to give me an idea that might change my opinion or not, because we're all a product of our own experiences. That's what shapes us and leads us to believe certain things more than other. But having said that, we, we can't ignore the facts. That's where I, I, I do hold us all accountable to. Hold on. Let's stick to the facts here, because even if I disagree with something like I keep, you know, one of the arguments people always say on on immigration reform is those those people are coming here and taking our jobs. Okay, well, let's if that's the the thought, then let's look at the facts. Let's look at the data. Let's look at stats. And, for example, a a nonpartisan research center, which is the Pew Research Center, says uh, that more than eight million immigrants in the U.S. illegally who were either employed or looking for work in the country, for example, in 2012 represent roughly 5% of the domestic labor force. That doesn't sound like they're taking everyone's jobs. That's the reality. That's not happening. So, and, and anyhow, in all of this, what I would remind you is that Donald Trump got into this Twitter war with the cast of Hamilton. Sure, great. It's easy to understand. But let's not forget and let's not be distracted by his antics. There's an incredible article, by the way. You should check this out. 
uh, on Vox. It says, don't let Donald Trump's antics distract you from what's really important. Uh, let's let's focus on who he's appointing, looking at their resume, their background, what they believe in. Um, let's talk about the possible conflict of interest, which is very likely given that he has, you know, our president-elect has so ma- many investments and businesses and dealings with China and Russia and how that's going to affect our foreign policy. These are all relationships that we have to make sure that we're holding our government accountable because as I heard, who was it? Uh, Oh, I heard a protester in an interview say this administration is working for us. They are public servants. We are the boss. They work for us. So we have to hold them accountable. This is going to be very, very important the next four years. And then uh, on Twitter, uh, Mr. Accoutrement, (laughs) <laughs> I love saying it because that's that's the uh, that's the name here. Oh, at Cybermind tweet says, "Ooh, the next four years are going to be fun. I know we're going to have a lot to talk about. I'll tell you that. And he uh, apparently likes it when I get a little fired up. Nothing more sexy than a fired up Espinosa. That's funny. Hey, speaking of fired up, uh, SNL was hilarious. Listen to this. Listen to this. They did a little open. Uh, uh, it was Alec Baldwin uh, returning to the show. SNL is a man without a plan. Donald Trump. Listen to this. So when we found out that you had a secret plan, it really energized us. That's right. A plan. Very secret. Well, whatever it is, we're really looking forward to hearing it come January. It's only seven weeks away, so uh, let's save some lives together, sir. Tremendous. Love it. Thank you. Google, what is ISIS? Oh my, 59 million results. Siri, how do I kill ISIS? Mike Pence is here. Great, perfect. Hello, sir. I heard you went to see Hamilton, how was that? It was good. I got a free lecture. Uh, Heard they booed you. Absolutely. Mm. I love you, Mike. You're the reason I'm never going to get impeached. Sir. (laughs) Sir, being president is not going to be easy. But we'll get through it if we work hard together. Thank you, Mike. Oh, and Mike, you're going to do everything, right? Yes, sir. It's so funny. We're not making fun of it. We're just having fun. I mean, truthfully, SNL is brings a little bit of levity to all of this. And that was Becca, uh, Becca Bennett as vice president, like Mike Pence. I do miss uh, Kate McKinnon as Hillary, though. It's like, oh, she's so funny. I want to bring her back. There's got to be a way to do it. All right, let's go to the calendar section. What are we doing this week? Thanksgiving is Thursday. You've got to call your family. Stop it. Stop avoiding them. Call them right now. <laughs> Make plans. Come on, be with the family. Uh, but there's also, in case you don't want to do that, there's a chill at the Queen Mary, and that is going to start uh, November 23rd, so that's that's very soon. Runs through uh, January, and uh, it's still warm out here, but the Queen Mary has got this very cool holiday season, Alice in Wonderland, which promises this very interactive and immersive experience of the whole family to enjoy at the Queen Mary. Sounds fun. Cinespia. Cinespia is bringing a winter film screening series to the historic downtown L.A. theaters. And that starts on Saturday, next Saturday. Um, you know how we all look forward to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery for, like, you know, the movies and, uh, and uh, Halloween. This is very cool. They're going to have uh, screenings throughout 
the historic theaters that you see in downtown LA. Uh, there have been admission costs like 20 bucks or so. But check it out. We'll put it up on KTL, uh, KTLA.com. Oh my God, I went into KTLA mode. My bad. KFIAM640.com. That's funny. And food truck night at the California Heritage Museum. That is uh, in two days. It's from 5.30 to 9.30. Tackle a Tuesday slump with a dinner break at Food Truck Night in Santa Monica. I do love those food trucks. They have that also in Venice. All right. You know, my brother's birthday is next Sunday. I'm so excited. He's a turkey baby. So happy birthday now to all of you turkey babies this week. Um, I know you're probably planning a, a you know little vacation away. Uh, Deborah, Mark, I'm sad you're not going to be with us on Sunday. My birthday is on Friday. I'm going to be Your celebrating this weekend. Yes, I'm a Sag, and my birthday often <laughs> falls on Turkey Day, too. Oh, my God, you're a Sag, like Christian. Happy birthday, Thank Deborah. Thank you, darling. Well, we're going to have to take you out. Ooh. We will miss you next Sunday. We will actually be here live, allegedly, but we will be here. That's the word, on the street. Uh, but remember... Be kind, be loving, just just be okay with the crazy uncle or the auntie or whoever at the dinner table. Appreciate the moment because, my friends, this too shall pass. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa, KFI AM 640. You're going to do everything, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> Turn down for what? You make sure your pantry is stocked with only the freshest local ingredients. Farm fresh eggs, produce from the farmer's market, local raw organic honey. But where does your news come from? If you get it from KFI, we can tell you. All our news is sourced right here in Southern California with no artificial flavors or sweeteners. So you know that your mind is getting only the finest, most nourishing local news available. KFI leads local because it's better for you. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.